sad news today. And and I and I don't know if you're going to be able to get through the rest of your day. I hope you can. But uh you know, we reported that Jesse Smollett uh his contract was extended on Empire with 20th Century Fox and the Fox Network and people were you know, concerned about him on the show and there were rumors that he was coming back uh, because they signed the contract and they re-upped his uh, option for being on the show. Uh, Co-creator Lee Daniels uh, took to Twitter and wanted to make sure that uh, people were would are aware of uh, what's going on because uh, he wanted to make sure that the rumors out there stayed just rumors those reports that jesse was going to come back not factual (laughs) jesse will not be returning to empire (laughs) dry your eyes dry your eyes Fascinated by this story, I, I can't. I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, Friday, they had the uh, the shooting in Virginia Beach. Horrific, right? I mean, twelve people were murdered, four people were wounded. Uh, the shooter uh, was killed. It's just just a horrible thing. Uh, the gunman, Dwayne Craddock, you know, just uh, you know, I probably shouldn't even tell you his name, but that was his name. And uh, just horrific. And I'm not going to get into nothing else. I I don't care about all the other arguments about it. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to get into it here because that's all. I mean, we've heard those arguments before, and I try not to have those type of arguments here on Chewing the Fat. But there was one guy, this Ned Carlstrom, a co-worker of the shooter, who saw him three times When the shooting started, the shooting started, he saw the shooter three times, crossed his paths, three times, paths, crossed his path, three times. Amazing. So we never know what, what brings these people over the edge, what, what they snap on, if they're just randomly killing people, if they're randomly shooting people, what made them mad, who made them mad, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the joke is, if you think someone is crazy, you always want to be nice to them, right? Because they're if they if they snap, they'll remember you being nice to them. This is almost it. Although this guy is one of the guys that you know they say, of course, you know he wasn't one of those guys. He didn't he didn't appear to be one of those crazy guys. But Carlston uh, recorded 
how he went through the event. And it is fascinating. On, our, on my way out of the building, I came across uh, a man walking with a gun who I recognized as a co-worker from the engineering department. And it did not seem like, it seemed like he was part of a drill by the... Okay, so stop that right the there. The gun that he was... So, uh, be, the reason he says it seemed like a drill, because they had talked about, uh, they had talked about doing live shooter drills in this city building. So, it wasn't that far-fetched. I mean, he wasn't crazy. He was just like, oh, they were doing those, those silly drills they talked about? It seemed like he was part of a drill by the the gun that he was carrying and the way he was walking. He briefly made eye contact with me, but did not point the gun at me. The gunman kept going the direction that he was walking. When I saw him, we went back. I went back to go get the gentleman that I was with earlier and when I went back to my desk, we noticed that the gunman had come back through the office again, and we made eye contact again, but he again did not point the gun at me or try to shoot me. Okay, so that's twice. Now now he's getting the idea that it's not a drill, all right? Uh, this coworker is actually shooting. They're hearing the gunshots. And but after the first time, I just went back to the office. I got work to do. This is this is a live shooter drill. I'm going back to the office. I got work to do. Okay, and then they realize he and his coworker in their office, uh, you know, realize that it's um, you know it's real, and they're in there and they've locked the door and they're just you know praying that it's going to be okay. Oh, uh, I made eye contact with him twice. Uh, briefly saw him a third time when he came to the locked office that I was in and peeked in a window to see if there was anyone in that office. I could see part of his hand. I didn't see the gun that time, but I could see him. I could see his hand in the window. The The coworker that was in the office with me looked him right in the face. The, mm-hmm. on, the only reason I can think that he did not shoot me or didn't aim at me is because he and I used to walk in from the parking lot together in the morning. We parked in a similar location in the parking lot in the morning and we would make small talk when we were coming in in the morning. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and he also talked about uh, when he peeked through the window, his coworker looked at the shooter eye to eye and just said, stop it. I mean, amazing. And it's just fascinating to me. I mean, so, so lucky, uh, especially the third time. So you've got to figure that this guy, it was because of the polite, friendly co-worker conversations that he had with the shooter in the mornings. They'd parked in a similar place. And they'd walk into the building together. And not even every day. Just, you know, maybe two or three times a week. You run in, hey, morning. And you do, you know, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Your usual, the usual nonchalant chit-chat that you would do with the coworker 
as you're going in to start your day at the office. You're in the park, you know, just, yeah. Hump day! Yeah, I know. It's Wednesday. I can't wait till Friday. Going on to a barbecue. Just want to get out of here. You know, just that kind of thing. But so in the middle of this rampage that this shooter is on, and we still, and I don't know that we ever will know exactly why uh, he snapped uh, and went back and did this at his uh, at his former employment. I guess it was still his employment. He had written his resignation. Um, but he ran into this Carlstrom three times. And the, all three times, like, ah. Oh. I mean, by the third time, it's like, it's you again. I'm shooting everybody out here. Well, I got to keep seeing you. I mean, amazing. And he even talked about uh, uh, it being the uh, Holy Spirit uh, inflecting something on that man to point where he didn't see him standing there. It was just uh, fascinating. You know, we've talked about, I don't know, we've talked about this a bunch of times, and it's just something to remember as you go through your day-to-day life. You're on camera. You're being videotaped, no matter what. Uh, the only place that you're not being videotaped is probably your home, and you probably are there, too. You're for sure being recorded. All, I mean, we've we've let phones in our in our home. We've let televisions who are recording us and watching us. We've let... You know, but outside of our home, uh, we're being recorded. There's just no, there's, I mean, it's very rare where we're not being recorded. I mean, we have a watchdog group now saying that the FBI has access to about 640 million photographs. That's all. Don't worry about it. It's fine. They're just, you know, they're just starting to use that facial technology, that facial recognition technology. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Nothing, nothing could go wrong, right? I mean, we've got, we're being recorded, you know, in malls, airports, schools, um, law enforcement agencies across the country are starting to use it. Uh, supporters of course are saying, you know, it's all for the safety. It's all for your safety. It helps police find suspects accused of, of whatever crime they're accused of, uh, petty theft of violent crime and, it's good. It's a good thing. Hey, we still have some flaws. We still have some flaws. And uh, I don't know that I agree with some of what they say is an issue. There are racial biases, but we certainly have flaws in the technology. So good luck. But let's remember that you're being filmed no matter where you're at. And just, you know, what's a good, good rule of thumb. Here's a good rule of thumb from chewing the fat. Just go through your day-to-day life like you're in a movie. Your life is the movie. Whatever you're doing is the movie. And then you don't have to, you know, unless you're doing bad things in the movie, you should be pretty good. We talked yesterday about uh, our uh, Jeopardy winner uh, losing, finally, James Holzhauer. But I also was... uh, uh, confibulated you can quote me on that i was confibulated that uh you know they leaked that that footage 
and leaked a video of him losing this weekend. And that's what made me think that he wasn't going to lose because I thought, man, why would Jeopardy leak this? They wouldn't allow that. I mean, there's just just doesn't happen, right? There's no way. Uh, well, Jeopardy has now said today that they are going to take appropriate action against the person that leaked the footage. So they didn't have anything to do with it or they want people to believe they didn't have anything to do with it and this is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, just release it. Tell them, ah, we'll take appropriate action and leave it at that because we were the ones that actually leaked it. So don't worry about it. And as we found out uh, earlier this week, uh, according to the World Health Organization, uh, burnout is making us worse at our jobs so it's now going to be uh well of course it's going to be part of a of a health guidance program it's it's burnout and and good 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 for you because burnout is is just horrible and since we're so worried about burnout uh is it really something we need to be concerned about because at the same time We find out that uh, the number of Ebola cases in uh, the Congo uh, raising at an alarming rate. 2,008 total cases have been reported since the current outbreak began uh, less than a year ago. Uh, Nearly almost 1,400 deaths reported. Over 1,000 of those cases have come in the past two and a half months. So it's growing. Uh, Amazing. But hey, don't you worry about it. Don't worry about it at all because you could be you could be burned out and it's a health problem and you're sad in your life. You know, it's a real thing. Is it? So joining us in the break room today uh, is author Lauren Tarsus. Lauren is not only an author. I mean, my gosh, she's so much more than just an author. She's uh, vice president, group editor of the Scholastic Classroom magazines, includes editing StoryWorks, uh, which is National Language Arts Classroom magazine for grades four to six. Uh, she does StoryWorks Junior for grade three. And if that's not enough, she's running her website, laurentarsus.com. And if that's not enough, she's writing the I Survived series. And Lauren, you know, I, I, I love the whole idea of uh, a series to get children involved, at least, uh, and I say children, you know, young kids involved in history, at least trying to say, hey, is that right? And we, you know, then we try to learn a little bit more. So what got you started in writing the I Survived series? Well, the, I spent much of my career at Scholastic, and, you know, the founding mission of our beautiful children's publishing company, which, is a, which will celebrate our 100th anniversary next year, wow. was to the, the whole company began with our current chairman's father, who had the idea 100 years ago that children needed to know more about themselves and the world in order to be able to be functioning members of a democracy. So 100 years ago, or it will be 100 years ago next year, he started a magazine called The Scholastic for high school students. And so I still work in that division, which is, you know, still has the same mission. So I've spent most of my career finding stories that build kids' knowledge, inspire them, 
hopefully, you know, open doors of curiosity in their minds. So I think that the I, the I Survive series was really in some ways inspired by the kinds of stories that I saw kids responded you know, most passionately to, which were these big stories about important events with a child in the middle of it so they could relate to it. Yeah. And at the same time, I have four kids of my own, and I saw how challenging it is to find books for boys, especially. I have three sons and a daughter, and one of my sons just wouldn't read, and one day I said to him, what kind of book do you want to read? And he was very clear. He said, I want to read about a really cool topic, like the Titanic or a battle, and I want there to be a ton of suspense, and I want the main character to be a boy like me. So I said to him in a kind of threatening tone, all right, I'm going to write those books for you, and then you better read them. So that was kind of the impetus. Um, I never imagined that it would be, you know, I've, I've been doing this series now for nine years and 18 books later. Right. Um, I didn't expect it to become, you know, this, and it's really evolved far beyond in scope what I originally imagined, which was sort of the Titanic and, you know, the shark attacks of 1916. Right away, I started getting a lot of requests from kids and parents and teachers for more iconic, big American, you know, historical right. events like the American Revolution, like 9-11. Um, so I've really been following the... Um, you know, the curiosity um, and the needs of the parents and teachers and kids who um, who I'm in touch with. Well, it's, uh, you know, today we saw, you know, some of the world leaders remembering, uh, you know, the D-Day, uh, the 75-year mm-hmm. anniversary. And it, uh, you know, tomorrow is the actual date where we remember uh, D-Day 75 years ago, which is, oh my gosh, your latest book, I Survived D-Day. <laughs> Amazing how it timed out perfectly. It was just perfect. I know. <laughs> it couldn't have been planned, could it? Absolutely not. Just an accident. So, uh, what's uh, when you when you research these books? Do you ever find things that you didn't know? I mean, I, well, how, I know you're doing a lot of deep research, and you know you're trying to find things, and you're trying to build, you know, get the, like as you said, you know, you get the, you know, get the kid involved inside the story. Plus, you want the kid that's reading it involved, so you want it, uh, you know, you want it entertaining. But when you're doing it, and I go back to the original question, do you ever find anything that you thought, "Wow, I didn't know that"? You know. Constantly. I mean, I I think people feel sorry for my kids because at dinner I'll be spending my day researching. I'll be like, you wouldn't believe what I just discovered. This is just incredible. I never, and then they'll go, can you just please pass the lasagna or something (laughs) like that? So there's, it's, that's what's so, that's what's so, you know, really, it's, you know, that's what's so exciting about it is that you kind of, I, I don't have an, you know, I don't, I don't go into these topics knowing a thing, frankly. I mean, a little bit maybe. D-Day, um, I, you know, I do so much research for these books. So I went to, I went to Normandy. I met villagers, people in their 90s who were there for the invasion, who, Amazing. you know, saw American paratroopers raining from the sky the night before the invasion, who had resistance leaders in their town. Um, you know, walking those beaches and trying to imagine these gorgeous beaches of today, you know, with the right. white, the beautiful surf and the sand and the blue sky, and then juxtaposing that in your mind with the images you've seen of, you know, the carnage of yeah. these poor, these American soldiers, young, some teenagers trying to get ashore and being gunned down by the, um, you know, horrific. The, the, yeah, it was just horrific. And, stuff. and the, 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 horrific, the, the horrific, and yet they were, you know, it was they were so brave at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah. It is. It's true. So I think that the surprise for me, Jeff, is 
part of it is I once got this very funny note from a little kid. He said, uh, Dear Mrs. Tarshish, why do you write about things that are so depressing, D-U-P-R-E-S-S-I-N-G? <laughs> and I said, you know, I wrote him back. I thought about it. I thought, my goodness, he's right. But, I've, I, you know, what happens because I'm, I'm in the research process I meet people who've gone through these events. If it's a recent disaster, you know, I always visit the place. If it's Joplin, Missouri, it, that, where the tornado hit in 2011, right. that actually hap- that book was written because people from Joplin invited me to come and wanted to share their stories. If it's re- writing about the Holocaust and you know talking to survivors and reading those memoirs, I've met so many people in my research and in day to day who have gone through these unbelievable unimaginable, difficult events. And yet so many of them are able to eventually heal and move forward. And so I I realized as I was writing to this young man that I actually am kind of a more hopeful person than I think I was when I began, because I can see that, you know, people can be really resilient. And that is certainly the story of D-Day in a lot of ways. I mean, for so many of the men I spoke to who fought and, you know, who were in D-Day that day and for the villagers, this was the greatest moment of their life, you know, in many ways. You know, it's the, it's the, it was a life-shaping experience, the friendships they made, um, and then even the process of healing afterwards, the growth that they went through. So it's very powerful. So this is, uh, what, 18th book in the series? Yeah. Okay, yeah. uh, w- with all the people that you've talked to, and you've obviously, you know, told us that you've learned so much and talked to all these people, and and they've, you know, come through to the other side. What's the one thing that they have in common? Oh, what a good question, Jeff. Um, hmm. What is the one thing they have in common? Well, I think that there's there's a few answers to that. I have to think that some people do have maybe, you know. because of things that happen early in their lives, maybe they have a a store of resilience. You know, that that I think is certainly true, whether it's strong family connections, strong faith, um, a community that they can rely on. I think those, any of those things become very, very important later. Um, I think that the support you get when you come back, I think that people, you know, one of the things that I just looked two weeks ago, I think it was, I was in Paradise, California, that town that was destroyed completely during the camp um, wildfires um, that happened back in November. I got emails from kids and parents inviting me to come to, they wanted to share their stories. So I went there, and um, and they too. You already see it. The way they're thinking, the narrative, the way they tell the story in my in their heads. It's how other people helped them, how they helped other people, how they're going to rebuild. They're already framing the story in an empowering way. Right. And I do. That's what maybe you know what. That's I think what it is. Is that it's I you know it's not. Oh my gosh, this happened to me. I was helpless. This could happen again. You know, I'm never going to recover. It's it's a very different sort of narrative, different stories that people are telling themselves about what they went through. Amazing. So Lauren Tarsus joins us, uh, the author of the I Survived series. Uh, today, uh, available the latest uh, in the series, uh, I Survived D-Day. Um, earlier, you talked about uh, creating this series so that you could uh, get your son to read. Uh, has that happened? 
Well, you know, my, my sons were all late bloomers in terms of reading, and now they're so, pretty, no, they are what you're they're me. big readers. <laughs> so he, he did read those books, and no, I, I wish I could tell you he magically became a reader. But, you know, I think it, it's, you know, it's a start, and I think that's, Absolutely. You know, and I think it got him interested in some things. And Absolutely. I think that, what people um, lose, well, I think what yeah. people forget is that, uh, you know, just read something. Read. I mean, I, yeah. whatever it is. I think so. And I think I've also becoming, I'm sort of like thinking lately more that, yes, you have to read, but I think it's also about knowing, wanting to know. And there are lots of other ways that you can learn, you know, to get information, valuing becoming a knowledgeable person and knowing, you know, being willing to really explore and go on learning journeys, whether it's through videos or, you know, films that you're watching, documentaries, graphic novels. There's so many ways, you know, our beautiful magazines we create. There's many ways of kids for kids to learn information um, and then the more they know the more they want to know because that's I mean I think we've all learned that as yeah. adults that once you start then suddenly you're curious and that I always tell that to kids I say anything is interesting once you start to learn about it absolutely and I think that certainly I mean when we when we when we you, you find out uh, man I didn't know that you realize that uh, anything you start uh, going into you're going to learn things that you didn't know that's what's so I mean that's ends up being the fun of it Lauren Tarsus yep. joins us on uh, chewing the fat here in the break room so Lauren if I want to get a copy of I survived do I have to go to a special secret place to pick it up or? yes my vault at home. No, they are luckily available pretty much everywhere. They're at bookstores, they're on Amazon, they're at Target, they're, um, they're, they're in libraries. So I also have a website, laurentarsit.com, where you can get, I have a lot of free resources for teachers and parents and kids, um, videos and all sorts of stuff that I, I make available. So. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us on Tour the Fat. I appreciate Thank you, it. Wow, I'm coming out of the break room and I didn't even get a drink of Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. What kind of day would it be without... (sighs) I'd be a bad day is what it'd be without Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, I'll tell you that. Man. So remember uh, to subscribe to Chewing the Fat. I see that uh, many of you are starting to uh, starting to tell your friends and neighbors about subscribing to Chewing the Fat. Thank you so much. Uh, it's needed. Uh, I need to, I need those subscribers. So subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Look, we I give and I give and I give. My gosh, Mondays I'm giving you two podcasts. I give you the I have a talking series. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is back up, so now we're doing uh, Talking Fear once a week. Uh, then I give you my Monday through Friday podcast, Chewing the Fat. And then I give you a Saturday American Dream podcast. I give and I give and I give. But if you don't subscribe, you don't get the alert. And if you don't get the alert, my gosh, how do you know to listen? So you have to subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. It's just a must. I don't want to get down on my knees and beg, but I will. No problem. Not today, though, because my knees hurt really bad and I don't feel like getting down on them like that. So yesterday I retweeted uh, at Jeffy JFR uh, a, a video posted by uh, Amy What's Your Face on Twitter, uh, Amy Warrior, 
uh, on Twitter uh, at Amy Warrior is her real Twitter handle. Uh, she just you can you know you can change your little updated name on Twitter anytime you want. That's a little Twitter helpful helpful hint for you today. Uh, your at has to stay the same, especially if you're verified. If you change your at name, if you're verified, you lose your verification. Just so you know. But you could you know if you change your at name, then you have to go through all the changing process. But you can change your little your little silly name all you want. Anyway, so she posts a video. Uh, that uh, uh, on feminism, and I thought it was great, just great. And so I'm going to play the video for you, and then uh, somehow I'm going to find. I know you know. Look, Chris hasn't been around, and thank you for that. But Taylor has been you know helping produce the show, so I'm going to try to see if he can do his little producer work. And I get a hold of Amy so we can talk to her about the video because I've got some questions. Hands? I'm sorry. Why'd you do the jazz hands? Do your and little, producer work. Do your little producer work, whatever it is. And uh, uh, we'll try to we'll try to talk to Amy. And I'm talking right to the camera right now as as I as I want you to know that watch this video. And if you if you haven't watched it because you're just listening to the podcast, just go to my Twitter account and scroll down a little bit. I retweeted it yesterday. But this is uh, Amy. What's her face on feminism? A few things, feminists. You can stop with all the marches and the grassroots movements. <laughs> right. Grassroots. Oh, I'll let her talk. Get it? We have the right grassroots. to vote. We can choose to have a career. Swanson even invented the microwave dinner. The Here right. are a few things that you might have missed while you were away. If a man opens a door for you, you should smile and thank him. He's not doing it because he thinks you're weak. He's doing it because he has embraced his God-given desire to protect. And he wants to spare you the bother of having to do it yourself. An inability to see that a kindness has been done means that your vagina hat is covering your eyes again. Take it off. You look like a vagina. Think about it. And all men aren't bad. Both sexes have their sickies. Sure, men are more aggressive both physically and sexually, and in some men that manifests negatively. But we women are more aggressive on a psychological level. We form cliques that exclude. We can belittle someone into an eating disorder or to the verge of suicide, all while donning an innocent smile that deflects all suspicion. Uh, And ladies, sleeping with as many men as possible because it makes you feel powerful doesn't make you powerful. As she drinks out of a cup of coffee and the coffee cup says you mm, makes you a floozy truth think about it and being in the kitchen isn't demeaning drank out of a the ability to turn a pound of ground beef into something your family salivates over is a skill and you haven't lived until you've had the best dish at a potluck and refused to share the recipe right that's power <laughs> feminists no one expects you to be june cleaver toxic eh. masculinity and this oppressive male patriarchy they're made up Men aren't holding you back anymore. You are. Think about it. Now, so I saw that. Fantastic, right? I mean, this is... Look, this is the kind of conversation that people have in their homes. I've had this conversation with, with, with sister-in-laws and with friends and my wife. I've had this exact conversation. And it, I feel so... Sometimes it's overwhelming because we get overwhelmed by social media and news uh, every day where we think that that isn't the way of the world. And really it is. Uh, Amy, what's her face? 
Uh, Amy Warrior uh, on the phone. I know that uh, Taylor, uh, you know, did his little producer thing and uh, got you on the line. Hi, Amy. How you doing? Hi, Jeff. How are you? Great. I am so freaking good. I t- I'm unbelievable. Unbelievable. Good, I appreciate good. you coming on. So, listen, yeah. you're doing these. You do. You did your feminist videos. Have you? Uh-huh. Are you going to start producing these on a regular basis? Because they, you know, they take a little time. They do. They do. They take me about, uh, let's say, two or three days to come up with and figure out. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've done several other videos and I, yeah, I can, I intend on continuing. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. So are you, are you doing them just on Twitter? You putting them on uh, Instagram? You putting on other social networks? Um, I share on Facebook and I share on YouTube also. Okay. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I would, I would definitely, I mean, we can talk off the air a little bit, but I mean, I would definitely start uh, posting that on Instagram and you know, starting doing okay. some tags on Instagram. That's uh, okay. might help you grow a little bit faster. That having been said, um, <laughs> uh, what uh, what inspired you to get this stuff going? I mean, I I've, I find it fascinating that I really mean those are the conversations I've had. I've had right. them with you know one on one and and group conversations in your home with people, and you're like, yeah, that's real life. That's not really what it's like. Right. And, and yeah, that's, that's really my reasoning behind it. Like you said, you, we talk about these things at home, but we're afraid to say anything to, we think that the, um, the small minority represents the majority and we are the minority, which is not the case. I think that common right. sense really is still um, pretty prevalent. Uh, and like for this video in particular, um, I think women are just sick of being told that they aren't angry enough, you know? And <laughs> right. um, I mean, we've got our rights and we can relax. Things are good. And, we want men opening our doors and we want them going out there making the kill and wanting that does not make us weak. That's the misconception. It doesn't mean that we are weak because we want men to, you know, be chivalrous to us. Well, also, I think we're at a point now uh, where, well, I know we are, that we're uh, not only not only are we supposed to think that uh, uh, females are weak, but we're supposed to believe that uh they're not weak they're stronger and if they're not stronger then uh you know what's wrong with you it's right it's, it's, it's amazing so are is your uh and i know you you know i know you're you're making uh you know you're making your pound of ground beef uh and your family salivating <laughs> over what you're making uh you know do, uh-huh. you, have a, do you have a recipe for me or Oh, sure. I've got plenty of it off the air. They're all secret. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So it's taken you about three days to create, to create each video. And I, and I say that cause I know, I know it takes a lot of work and I was laughing that, yeah. uh, I keep, you know, you see so many people, uh, um, uh, uh, producing, uh, videos like this and you see, you know, uh, the, the kid walk by the back. Uh, you know, somebody yeah. comes in the door and, well, oh, mom's recording, and they close the door. Uh, I love right. the fact that that actually didn't happen uh, on right. your video. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I'm guessing that your family is all behind uh, your creation. Yes, they are. Well, they're all uh, 14 and over. I have five kids, age 14 and older. So, oh my I have God. a little more freedom now and privacy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say that you know. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> oh, God. You only have a few more I years. I miss the days. You only have a I few miss mo- the days when they were little, but Do it's, you? it's nice that they're older. Do you? Yeah, you know, I find myself going, oh, remember that, and then I remember, you yeah, know, I don't want to. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, if you, <laughs> right. remember when they were so cute and running around? Yeah, you know, but then, then, my, then my wife's grandchild comes to visit. Uh-huh. 
And I remember, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I don't want to remember that anymore. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> yes. All right. So what's next in line? We got the feminists. We're beating up the feminists. Do you know what mm-hmm. else? Do you know what next is in the queue? Yes. Um, I'm working on a video that will illustrate for the pro-choice crowd um, nice. that they value the cookie-making process more than they do the human-making process. No kidding. No kidding. Yep. I, mean, I just... We, we, I just Saw uh, a story from uh, Alabama as they're talking about, uh, no, was it Alabama or New York? New York, where I think it was New mm-hmm. York, where they uh, passed a bill that you can't declaw cats anymore because oh, it's gosh. so horrific. And I I'm thinking, that. I'm thinking, but you can kill a baby. Okay. Right. No, no problem. Right. Yeah, nice to have you along for yeah. the party. That's just amazing to me. Yeah, my gosh. <laughs> So anyway, I wanted to, I just wanted to say hello and talk to you. I've enjoyed your, I've enjoyed your work and I know you put in a lot of time and, uh, I just, I, I appreciate, I appreciate what you've, what you've done. And if we can help in any other way, we're here for you. It was great. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Amy, uh, at Amy warrior on Twitter and, uh, Amy, what's her face? Uh, if you want to, you know, just search for it and, uh, really, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Thank you. I find this story hard to believe. A woman in Pennsylvania is speaking out against Golden Corral. Now, how many of you been to Golden Corral? Raise your hand. Of course you have. It's an all-you-can-eat place. And I, I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I've I've been there too. I, I know, I know, I've been there too. I at one point I may have frequented the uh, the Golden Corral uh, restaurant. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan anymore because I can't eat like that anymore. I just can't. I wish. I mean, in real life, I joke around about <laughs> about eating that, but in real life, I just can't. I mean, it's just if I went to Golden Corral, they would actually make money off me now. The point of going to a place like Golden Corral is that you make them lose money on you. You have three or four steaks, and you bypass the salad bar, except for maybe a little cottage cheese for a little flavor. And then you eat potatoes and gravy and soup. I mean, you just, you just want to chicken. And, oh, there's, some of that stuff was so good now that I'm remembering Golden Corral. Anyway, then you have the dessert bar. Oh, my gosh. The chocolate cakes and the brownies and the ice cream that you could just have as much as you want. I mean, that's why you go there. So this lady is mad at Golden Corral because they she claims that they asked her to leave because of her outfit. <laughs> I find that very difficult to believe. I have seen... The way people dress going to Golden Corral. And you dress comfortably because you expect if you're wearing a belt, you're going to loosen that bad boy up. So why wear the belt? You want to you be able to expand. That's part of going to Golden Corral. In fact, that should be their logo. Come to Golden Corral and expand. I mean, that is just the way it is. So she claimed that they uh, said, oh, no, uh... Look, uh, you are dressed too provocatively. 
Uh, so you need to, you know, cover up and, uh, that outfit is just inappropriate. Now she claims that when she asked what was inappropriate about her outfit, the manager couldn't provide an answer. I will say that she's taken a selfie of herself. Uh, and that's why it's a selfie and, uh, what she was wearing, uh, the night that she, uh, allegedly got kicked out of golden corral, uh, Provocative is not the word I would use. Just leave it at that. Uh, there's no way that Golden Corral asks people to leave. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. We've got, I've got so much, I have so much stuff every day. And that's why we have Fat Pile Friday. Because I go through, every day. I have so much, I have so much stuff to the pile, and it's like never ending. It just, it never ends. Like the richest, the richest females now, the richest entertainers, the richest female entertainers now. You know who just took the top spot? Ariana. $600 million net worth. Now, that means she takes over. She climbed above Madonna at $570 million. Celine Dion next in line at four hundred and fifty million, and Beyonce. Pfft, Beyonce, she doesn't even need anything. She's got Jay Z, so Jay Z's a billionaire. Then you got Beyonce coming in at four hundred million. I mean, you almost have a two billion dollar company right there between uh, Beyonce and Jesse. But I mean, there are no Bezos. Pfft. I mean, but they're you know. As much as Jay-Z and Beyonce has done, they haven't created Amazon. So. I mean, with that logic, you can say nobody is a Jeff Bezos. Nobody is rich enough. He's the richest guy in the world, so no one is Jeff Bezos. Thank you. Well, I'm just saying, like, with that logic, nobody's rich compared to Jeff Bezos. Okay. I didn't say it was a bad thing. I'm saying, sure, she's got $400 million. Oh, hell, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'm going to do when I win the Mega Millions Lotto on Friday night at $530 million. Man, do I want to win that. You know, I read the story about the, the guy that won the North Carolina Lotto, and he didn't realize, he didn't know that he'd won. He looked down, thought he'd won like 50 grand, and then realized, hey, that's, uh, that's all of them. It's $344 million. Okay, right. Come on. That's just him telling a silly story. Of course he knew he won. You don't look at the ticket and go, ooh, I think I only won 50000 No, you know you won the big money. You just do. You just do. And then we have, what, where else? Can I go? Can we go to bars? Bars with the, no, we'll just do animal stories. That's right. We'll just do animal stories. We'll start with the hungry alligator. I love gators. I'm a big fan of gators. Love gator land in Florida. This is coming out of Gainesville, Florida. Home of the gators. Home of the Florida Gators, by the way. Uh, This hungry uh, alligator uh, came in out of the water at a park. And uh, the family was there having a picnic. And the gator just came up and hopped on the blanket. started Started to eat all their food. Ate the block of cheese. Ate the salami. Ate the watermelon. Ate the grapes. And then he ate the big bowl of guacamole with the bowl, the bowl and the guacamole. Now, 
this Taylor Forte, F-O-R-T-E, uh, said that now he's getting mad, right? The Gators eating all, has eaten all their food. He's getting mad. So he put his arms up and started screaming, trying to scare the Gator. And that's when the Gator turned around and walked back into the lake. I have a feeling, this is just a thought, that that really didn't affect the Gator. The Gator was like, I'm done and I'm going back now. And if I wanted to chase you right now, I would, but I just came up here to get a little bit of a snack and I'm going to shoot back into the lake and cool down now, okay? Amazing. Uh, I love it. And this is breaking news right now. And I think that... uh, I think that this is something we need to investigate here on Chewing the Fat. Uh, scientists now believe that the Loch Ness Monster may be a real-life dinosaur. Sure, it's elusive. Sure, we've hunted for the Loch Ness for years. But now scientists are starting to believe that, yeah, it might be a, might be a real-life dinosaur. So... They must be slowing down on tourism and they need some people to come out to the lake and start looking for Loch Ness again. So, cause every so often, every few years, it's like the Loch Ness was spotted again. The Loch Ness monster is real and tourism picks up again. I, you know, look, do I know that for a fact? No, just a, just a guess, just a guess on my part. 